All right. Good morning. Good morning. I think I got stuff ready to go. Possibly. I'm possibly ready. We'll see what happens. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Welcome to the show. This is episode, Just Human number 201. Uh, I know that I am up against Badlands Media, and I'm up against this press conference that's going on with the Oversight Committee, but I appreciate you tuning in to watch the show live. I'm kind of debating on what to do. I have plenty of material for the show, but we also have this live presser going on, which I have I have up on my screen over here muted or at least i think it's muted hopefully y'all aren't hearing it and uh listening to some of these allegations or i'm reading the text right now the closed caption of what's being presented we can go over there and listen to this press conference if y'all want to and we can like just take in this press conference or we can we can just go through some of the news articles and stuff that is about this um i'm kind of i'm kind of torn on it because they've they've said some interesting things in this press conference and uh yeah i'm trying to figure out i'm trying to figure out what i want to do um if i want to go to the presser or not because i don't like so far it's been going on for like 40 minutes and uh i can back it up so there are some things that have been presented in it that are pretty interesting um, 
companies involved in this velocity of transactions, size of transactions. Like my colleagues have said, this is not how normal businesses operate. Um, I had the ability uh, with Chairman Comer and other members of the committee to go over to the Treasury building and review documents. Okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. There's a um, there's a lot of uh, stuff that's being said in this presser that I can connect to some other stuff that I dug up leading up to this. But let's just back up in this presser and we'll skip around. I'll give some commentary on some of the stuff that comes up with it. Because um, otherwise the presser is just like this... We're going to end up talking about it anyway. We might as well listen to it. Um, so there's a number of threads. Like I kind of feel like there's there's this Hunter Biden yarn ball that's been thrown out for uh, everybody to play with. And that from this yarn ball, there's a bunch of threads that have now been pull, pulled out and are still being pulled from the yarn ball. And there's the IRS whistleblower. There's the former speechwriter or White House stenographer. There's the former CIA uh, director, Morell. There's a former federal prosecutor. Um, there's another CIA, CIA guy that's like Karian or Kareen is his last name. Um, then you got Hunter's business partners. Uh, there's the laptop. There's, there's all of these different threads. And there's more than that. I mean, I'm holding up eight fingers, but there's more than that. There's all these different threads that people are pulling on, whether it's a whistleblower or it's the an oversight committee or weaponization committee or it's David Weiss um, or it's Marco Polo. Like there's all these different threads that are being pulled on from this Hunter Biden, Biden crime family yarn ball. And what they have a hold of today appears to be the Romanian thread, which leads to a number of other threads, um, which is great, but that it seems like they're, they're pulling on this Romanian thread, which is pretty interesting because it connects to Louis free, another former director of the, um, a former director of the FBI, who is a nasty swamp creature who's been living in the European swamp and profiting off of it for a long time. So anyway, Oh, in the bank thread. So Comer's got these bank threads he's pulling on, and that's led them to discover this scheme. We'll go to the start of the press conference and I'll give commentary as as I feel like it. And we'll we'll jump around a bit. Get this story it's accelerated starts. its investigation of the Biden family's domestic and international business practices that we began last Congress. I want to be clear. This committee is investigating President Biden and his family's shady business deals that capitalize on Joe Biden's public office and risked our country's national security. This committee has a duty to ask questions and pursue the facts no matter where they take us. Through the committee's investigation, we intend to provide transparency to the American people and reach legislative solutions. In only four months- By the way, uh, the inclusion of transparency in some of this stuff that's come out is a literal cue drop. Um, it's a it's a cueism that they've been hitting on, including on the on the very Delta. Since obtaining subpoena authority, we have made astonishing progress. Today, we'll talk about that progress. First, we want to discuss information the committee has learned since our last press conference in November. New information investigators have uncovered regarding the transfer of money from foreign entities to the Biden family. 
many of the wire payments occurred while Joe Biden was vice president and leading the United States efforts in these countries. First instance, while Vice President Biden was elected. I'm going to show you all that. If you search uh, the drops for transparency, you'll get a drop from April 30th that says transparency brings accountability. That was the salutation on a press release that Grassley put out on March 1st, I think it was, or March 2nd. Then you have all these Hunter drops right here, uh, Hunter images, and right here where it gets down to the text, it says, sometimes it takes transparency to force action. Quote, let's see what happens. Drain the swamp. Um, again, over here, transparency brings accountability. What if CIA was running black ops spy tank, spy think tank in UK? Would hospital station chief be informed? Um and there's more truth, transparency, and equal justice under the law. That's from April 27th. Drain the swamp, United We Stand. Transparency and accountability is the only way to save the Republic, not another four-year election. It like <laughs> searching transparency in the drops um brings you to uh Hunter Biden and CIA uh pretty easily. All right, anyway. Capturing Romania on anti-corruption policies. In reality, he was a walking billboard for his son and family to collect money. Hunter Biden and his associates capitalized on a lucrative financial relationship with a Romanian national who was under investigation for and later convicted of corruption in Romania. The Bidens received over $1 million for the deal. And 16 of the 17 payments to their associates account that funneled the Biden's money occurred while Joe Biden was vice president. So this is Popovicu or Papadopovicu or something like that. Um, this was known, this information about a uh, the Bidens getting money from Popovicu or whatever and there being this uh, land deal that this guy was wrapped up in, um, this was this was known. This came out with the Hunter Biden laptop. There were there were emails that uh, that revealed this. There's also Louis Free's connection was found on the Hunter Biden laptop, and we found this stuff out very early on in uh, after the laptop came out. I want to say it was before the end of 2020, but it might have been early 2021. Um, but the difference here is this news about the scheme. Um, that they have in the arrangement and, and having the bank records. That's like making up the difference. Like you had the allegations and the emails, but then having the bank records to back it up and to find where the LLCs, how the money went through the LLCs, that makes it far more substantial. In fact, the money stops flowing from the Romanian national soon after Joe Biden leaves the vice presidency. This is a pattern of influence peddling. This appears separate from any payment Hunter received from his work connecting this individual to a U.S. law firm. We'll also provide further information regarding the Biden's relationship with China. This includes two individuals the committee is particularly concerned about. One of them, Yi Jinming, had close ties to the highest levels of the Chinese Communist Party and operated a multi-billion dollar energy company with access to large sums of money. We'll discuss how the Bidens received millions of dollars 
from this individual through the use of shell companies and wire transfers. In March, the committee released its first bank records memorandum that showed a Biden associate, Rob Walker, used his company to funnel money from the Chinese to various Biden family members. Democrats dismissed the evidence, even though it was based on bank records directly from the bank. The Democrats on the Oversight Committee received the same records as the Republicans, and they were able to verify the information. Democrats said all the bank records showed were Papa John's and Starbucks receipts. They deliberately chose to misconstrue and deny what was clearly in front of them. Hunter Biden's representatives claimed the money was, quote, good faith seed funds, but could not explain why those funds had to go through an intermediary in what appears to be an attempt to hide the transfers from the Chinese. They also couldn't explain why the Bidens received over $1 million in 16 different wire transfers over a period of three months to at least five different banks. The president, when confronted with this information, said it wasn't true. Instead of being with, honest with the American people, President Biden has claimed since the 2020 election that his family has not received money from China. That was a lie in 2020, and he continues to lie to the American people now. The Bidens have received millions of dollars from China. It is inconceivable that the president did not know it. The White House refuses to correct the president's statements, showing the president is now using the federal government to run interference for his families and his own role in these schemes. Now I want to say a few remarks about the developments last week. A week ago, I sent a subpoena to the FBI for a form that a whistleblower has alleged is in the FBI's possession. That's the form 1023 or whatever it is that is the interview, the form that is used when you have an informant who is, or a source who is giving you an information, a briefing or intel or whatever. And it could be a video, it could be a document, it could be a conversation at a table. It can be any of those things, but the form 1023 means that it ind or indicates that it comes from a source. It could be a confidential source, whatever. Um, and that's that's the development we got news on last week, and everybody's oh, four point two twenty three. What is this? We hope the FBI. And it's what I said could actually be Hunter. Like Hunter could be the source that is the the ten twenty three is based on. I don't know that it's Hunter, but it is a possibility. I will be transparent and forthcoming, and provide the oversight committee with the ten twenty three form we have subpoenaed. If they do, the committee will assess the form it has subpoenaed from the FBI and has been my practice, we will report to you only facts when they are verified and indisputable. This committee will not pursue witch hunts or string the American people along for years with false promises of evidence that is beyond circumstantial evidence as Representative Adam Schiff and the Democrats did for years. I trust the whistleblower. A subpoena from this committee is a powerful tool that I do not take lightly. The level of detail provided to Senator Grassley led me to conclude a subpoena was warranted, and I stand by that assessment. I will Something interesting that I'm going to go ahead and comment on, because he's talking about a subpoena to the FBI. Comer made a, uh, he put out a, a statement last night, um, or he gave an interview on Fox last night or something, and he said that he wanted the DOJ to hold. 
He specifically said, I want the DOJ to hold off. Let us present what we have. Because after we do, what you guys are working on is basically going to be much bigger. Like we've got so much stuff that we've, we're working on that once you guys see it, you're going to want to expand your investigation. So don't, don't indict Hunter. Basically what he was saying was don't indict Hunter yet. Cause we have more that you're going to want to add into your investigation, which is interesting him saying that. I mean, he can't tell like authoritatively, he can't instruct the DOJ not to do something, but he, on one hand, he's saying like, y'all guys need to hold off. But Later on in this press conference, Miss Nancy Mace comes up and she's like, oh, we've already done all the work for you guys. So here it is. Don't mess it up. And it's it's like it's silly to me. It's silly posturing from the House to the FBI and DOJ. And it indicates how fake of a fight this is. Like, I think it's a fake struggle between FBI, DOJ and this House Oversight Committee. Not saying that everything is fake, but I think there's some kayfabe going on here where they're like speaking out of the the FBI and DOJ can't say anything one way or the other. They have to give a Glomar response. So they're like stuck in their box. But then the House Oversight Committee is over here and they get to bloviate for the camera and perform for the camera. And they're trying to make it act, try and make it seem like there's this struggle going on and... um. FBI wouldn't do this work, so we had to do it for them because we're the hero politicians, that <laughs> kind of thing. When I think what's really going on is that they're both aware of what the other is doing, and they're not necessarily coordinating, uh, like where they're instructing one another to coordinate. But I think they are aware of what the other is doing, and they're coordinating without actually speaking speaking with each other about that coordination they don't need to um anyway it's just something i've picked up on between them that i think is indicative of kayfabe say this when senator grassley approached me with the information the whistleblower provided it was because of the information we've learned through this committee's own investigation that indicated to me the whistleblowers allegations are consistent with our independent findings those findings are what I called you here today to discuss. The committee has reviewed thousands of bank records from individuals and companies affiliated with the Bidens and their associates. It has received these bank records pursuant to four subpoenas I've issued to different banks. These were targeted and specific subpoenas, and each was different based on the information we believed the banks possessed. Every one of those subpoenas returned valuable information that had been unreported and that contributed to this committee's understanding of how the Bidens conducted their businesses. That's really, okay, that's one of the most significant points he's made so far is that their own independent work and investigation matched up to what this whistleblower was saying. So you have independent sources of information that are both speaking to the same situation and it matches up. That's great. The committee is concerned by the complicated, suspicious network of over 20 companies. We have identified the Bidens and their associates used to enrich themselves. Most of these companies were limited liability companies formed during Joe Biden's vice presidency. The bank records show the Biden family, their associates, and their companies received 
over $10 million from foreign nationals and their companies. Some of that money came from a Chinese company and went to Hunter Biden's company. Other transfers occurred with the help of Rob Walker, who then sent it on to different Biden family members. This is not how lawful businesses operate. Chinese nationals affiliated with the Bidens created limited liability companies in the United States and then in a short period of time transferred their interest to a Chinese company that sent money to the Bidens. This is not normal. Hunter Biden and his associates courted business in countries that correlated directly with Joe Biden's work as vice president. This is also not normal. It is not ethical. And this is why we need legislative solutions. Our purpose here is to provide legislative solutions to prevent this unethical behavior from ever happening again. This investigation is about investigating allegations of corruption and fraud at the highest levels of the federal government. This should be a bipartisan issue. This committee is considering legislation that would ensure these sorts of business practices do not continue for Democrats or Republicans. Specifically, the committee is crafting legislative solutions aimed at deficiencies it has identified in ethics laws and disclosure laws for immediate family members of Vice President and the President. These deficiencies potentially place American national security and American interest at risk. Additionally, the committee is considering legislation that would strengthen reporting requirements related to certain foreign transactions involving senior elected officials' family members. Finally, the committee is evaluating the Bank Secrecy Act and anti-money laundering laws to determine whether financial institutions have the available tools and support from federal agencies to thwart illegal money laundering and foreign corruption activity. Follow the money. I'm very pleased with the progress the committee is making in this investigation. However, due to the information we're releasing today and further developments the committee is aware of, the investigation will enter a new phase now that is armed with information obtained in the bank records. Okay, did you catch that? I caught the first time I heard it. I'm going to replay it. I'm very pleased with the progress the committee is making in this investigation. However, due to the information we're releasing today and further developments the committee is aware of. And further developments the committee is aware of. Due to the information we're releasing today and further developments the committee is aware of. We're now entering a new phase. I wonder if they're aware of what is in the Hunter Biden indictment. The investigation will enter a new phase now that is armed with information obtained in the bank records. I will soon issue a new round of subpoenas to banks for specific targeted information. I will also provide one more opportunity for certain Biden associates, including his art gallerist and Rob Walker, to cooperate willingly with this investigation. And see, like one of the uh, one of the kayfabe tales that I've picked up on with Comer for a long time, and it and it's made me um, slightly s suspicious of Comer, um, because he was really pushing before they took back the house before the midterms. Um, he was pushing about these bank records, these SARs that he was trying to get from Treasury, suspicious activity reports. And he was making it seem like they were completely hidden from them and Treasury wouldn't cooperate and Treasury was hiding the ball. Like 
that kind of thing. Like he was on this crusade to go and get this information and um, whatnot. When the truth was treasury was telling him, you can come and look at these records. You guys have the authority to come and, and permission to come and look at these SARs, but you can't take cop. You can't make copies of them and you can't publish them. These SARs are secret because they're part of ongoing investigations, so they can't be made public. But you guys have the authority and the authorization to come and look at them and see what they say, but you can't public you can't publicize them. And so that didn't do them any good because they didn't want to just look. They wanted to go look and then make copies and publish them and use the information that was in them. Um, but Comer was making it seem like they were blocked by treasury. I think he was using that term blocked. Um, and so I always thought, okay, is this, is Comer, is Comer just kind of taking everybody for a ride here with this SAR thing? Because he's not being completely forthcoming in how he's talking about them. Or is this kayfabe between Comer and treasury? And he's trying to give this appearance and build up the mystique and the, attention around these SARs leading up to him eventually being able to make them public. And I kind of, and I think it's the latter. I think it's the latter. I think he's been building up the attention and the focus on these SARs because it's follow the money. After all, the money's going to tell you the tale and the bank records are what is going to break up the entire syndicate and show you well, it shows you where the syndicate is and who's in it, who's getting paid by the syndicate's operations. And it's also how you destroy it, of course. Um, but I think, I think when one change that may have happened that he can't actually say is that I think the, the investigations those SARs were involved in has now reached a point where they're about to go public because Hunter is about to catch an indictment from Weiss. And so, and those, those SARs are going to be used or at least some of them might be used, which means they're going to become public. Anyway, I'm just, I'm kind of speculating a little bit there, but back to the press conference. Finally, I'm publicly releasing the second bank's bank accounts memorandum to the American people so they can see for themselves the activities the Biden family is engaged in, despite the president's statement to the contrary. Yeah, Brian, good morning. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Bank records are boring. So Comer is building the drama via K-Pay to grab the attention, grab the attention of, of normies. That makes total sense to me. I want to thank the people and financial institutions that have cooperated with this investigation so far. I also want to encourage more people to come forward and let them know that their information will be kept private and confidential. To my Democrat colleagues, I want to say that this investigation will continue to move forward. Do you want to continue covering up the Biden's influence peddling schemes when the evidence is being placed right in front of you? With or without Democrat support, we will continue working to deliver the answers, transparency, and accountability that the American people deserve. I now turn to Andy Biggs, who will provide some information. Comer's accent makes me want to go hunting. Thank you, Chairman Comer. Uh, we appreciate he just seems like a guy who knows some good hunting spots, but I think it's just the accent. Issue ...to the direction of this country, and we appreciate your leadership, and appreciate my colleagues who are here today, um, and also the, the great staff that has done such incredible work 
um, on behalf of this committee in, in reviewing these records and, and helping us to obtain them. Thank you. And thank you to uh, those of you who are here uh, from the media today. So when we talk about the Biden family and associates, I think it's important for the American people to understand what, mean, what we mean uh, when we're talking about these associates. What, what, what are we really getting at? First, they, they use them as vehicles to move money directly into Biden family accounts. Why is that? It's because they were looking to obfuscate and hide where the money was coming from. For example, the Bidens used their associate Rob Walker to bring in millions of dollars from China and Romania. Walker's limited liability company, Robinson Walker LLC, paid Hunter, James, Halley, and others in the Biden <coughs> network more than $2 million after foreign money hit his account. One-third to the Bidens. That was the pattern. For example, on March 1, 2017, only two months after Joe Biden left office, Robinson Walker received a $3 million wire from State Energy HK Limited, a Chinese entity. The next day, one-third of that money, $1,065,000, went to the bank account in Abu Dhabi of the company EEIG, which was controlled by James Gilead, another Biden associate. Over the next three months, Robinson Walker LLC sent 16 incremental payments of to more than uh, to, to over five different Biden accounts totaling $1,065,692. This included payments to James Biden, who received five wires and over $50,000, who did no discernible work to earn that money. A third to Gilliar, a third to the Bidens. What was State Energy HK Limited? That is a second class of Biden associates, the people from whom the Bidens conducted business. State Energy HK Limited was a company controlled by Yi Jiaming. Yi was a Chinese billionaire who was, a, who was reportedly the former Deputy Secretary General, excuse me, Deputy Secretary Council for an international outreach arm for the People's Liberation Army. It's called the China Association for International Friendly Contact. According to a U.S. agency, that organization is a platform for deploying, deploying undercover intelligence gatherers. Okay, right there. He just said that entity is an undercover intelligence outfit, according, and he said that according to a U.S. agency, which means he has specific intel from a U.S. intel agency, and he can't tell you who, what agency it is. He's just describing it as a U.S. agency. So he either means NSA, DIA, or CIA, <laughs> most likely. It's one of those three. I would guess it's the DIA, um, but it could be any of those three. It's one of the intelligence outfits. It's like, yeah, this is, uh, th this is what that group actually is. I would guess it's DIA because they have Dong Jingwei, but... Chairman Yi started an energy company called CEFC, China. Yi explained in a speech to the committee uh, that the committee has obtained and translated into English that CEFC China's vision is very simple. It is to obtain overseas resources and serve the national strategy. Not U.S. national strategy, Chinese 
national strategy. And Chinese national strategy is Chinese Communist Party's strategy. Yi was close to Chinese President Xi Jinping and welcomed at least one foreign president to Beijing with Xi. With Xi. The DOJ has referenced Yi and CEFC in a scheme bribing African leaders. The other Chinese national I want, I'll mention now is Gong Wendong, who did work for Yi in America. When Yi needed to do business in America, he often looked to Gong Wendong. The amount of money Yi was sending to Gong Wendong was staggering. From June through August of 2017 alone, Yi transferred to Gong Wendong in America more than $130 million. Yi met with Hunter Biden in February 2017 and gave him a diamond reportedly worth tens of thousands of dollars as a gift. In August of 2017, Yi, through Gong Wendong, opened up a business with Hunter and James Biden called Hudson West Three, based here in Washington, D.C. And Hunter wanted to get Joe Biden's keys to the office and they could all share office space together, according to an email verified by the Washington Post. But things didn't go as planned because the Chinese detained Yi in March of 2018 for fraud. In an email to Gong Wendong and another associate, Hunter tried to explain away the last year of doing business together. This is an email that has also been verified by the Washington Post. Hunter wrote, and I quote, I am not in a joint venture with CEFC. I'm not partners with CEFC, and I'm not employed nor funded by CEFC, close quote. But Hunter was funded by CEFC, as Ms. Mace will explain. I'm extremely concerned about the president's connections to these individuals he was supposedly meant to share office space with and is denied knowing anything about these transactions and these business dealings and also is denied receiving any money for himself or his family from Chinese connections. That has been proven to be a lie. And I'll yield back, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Speaks. Next we have Ms. Mace. <clears throat> Thank you, uh, Chairman Comer, for your leadership. In less than 100 days of subpoena power, this has been one of the most in-depth in in investigations the House Oversight Committee has ever had in recent history. And I would hope that the media here today would put as much attention and interest and focus on this as they have a former president. For years, the left has said, no one is above the law. Well, put your money where your mouth is and prove that because the American people do not trust the federal government, they don't trust Congress, they don't even trust current presidents because of the kind of possible and alleged corruption that we see at every level of government and no one is ever held to account. I try to call the balls and strikes regardless of whether or not you have an R or a D by your name. I've been accused, all of us have been, over this particular issue that we're conspiracy theorists, we're not. What we're proving to you today is showing you actual bank records, actual evidence of shell companies and businesses or more businesses and more Bidens involved that we knew of. You have to issue more subpoenas because every time we turn over Iraq, there's more information. There's more possible corruption. There's more possible allegations that need to be investigated. This is what we know today. Money. Great opening from Nancy Mace. It really blows my mind how Nancy Mace has played a role lately, like just in the past hundred days. She's played this role that where you don't think of her as being this MAGA Republican. Um, if anything, she's like this rhino. Um, but one of the fresher rhinos. And um, but she's played this role in some of these committees 
where she's come out being like this, um, like she's almost like a pinch hitter or something. Like she comes in at these moments where you don't expect it. And she delivers stuff like this. It was really good. Um, she was great in some of the Twitter hearings and the COVID hearing too. Um, anyway, she's, it's, it's been interesting to see her and it's made me wonder, um, maybe we, maybe we were, uh, misled on her on purpose. Or maybe she knows which way the wind blows. Either way, I'll take it as long as she she walks the walk. Um, okay, just so far, I was typing out some uh, stuff uh, from the first part of this news conference, from the first part of what Biggs and Comer had said. And some of the things I noted were that they're, they're alleging that there were 20, 20 LLCs formed during VP Biden's term. So there's the money coming from CEFC, Rosemont Seneca, like these companies that they had set up, like where there's like the big flashy company you're aware of, like CEFC. But there were 20 LLCs that they set up that got the money first, and then that money was then dispersed to a number of different Bidens. And that's really, that's really, that's really interesting. Um, there's no reason to set it up that way unless you're trying to hide that the money is what the money is actually coming from. Allegedly, or they're alleging that $10 million went through those 20 LLCs. There was that diamond gift that we've heard a lot about in the past. Um, this multi like $30,000 diamond or whatever it was. Um, Money going from China to Rob Walker and then to the Biden family. They made a comment about Rob Walker wanting him to cooperate. Sounds like he's not cooperating with this investigation. Um, something I, I would put a pin in Rob Walker as someone who might end up getting indicted. And well, I'll I'll visit that. I have a I have further comments on that in just a moment. Um, not normal business practices, 16 individual payments to the Biden family from these LLCs, or at least that they've tracked those 16 payments. So they say they have bank records that can prove how the, 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 where these bank records or where this money flowed and how it flowed. Some Bidens did no discernible work whatsoever, yet got paid. And about one third of the money that these companies were bringing in was going to the Bidens. Or was profiting. And um, then he also brings up that Joe, according to that email, Joe had a key to the office. Um, or they wanted to get Joe a key to the office, even though Joe is over there saying, I never had anything to do with any of these business dealings. It's like, why would you need a key to the office if you had nothing to do with it? Um, now, comment on Rob Walker. Reading between the lines of what Comer was saying, and because he was asking, he was saying if Rob Walker wants to come forward, something like that. He made some comment like that. It, it, it indicates it's an aside, uh, like BB has pointed out before. It's an aside that speaks a lot of truth, and I think he's indicating they want Rob Walker to come and uh, speak to them about this. I'm wondering if Rob Rob Walker is actually the target. Um, I I personally think that Hunter Biden became a unwitting asset of Intel agencies 
and um and then the, the FBI. I think that Hunter is um not saying he's a white hat, and I would not say that Hunter Biden is a white hat, but I do think he became some point between 2017 to 2019. I think Hunter became an unwitting actually it could have been before that, back in 2014, um, or before. I think Hunter became an unwitting asset. I think he was being followed and um surveilled by our own intel agencies because of his business dealings in Romania and um Kazakhstan, China, Ukraine. Um, I, th- I think they were surveilling in Russia. I think they were surveilling him and gathering intel and it ended up becoming um, intel that was given to the FBI. And then you had Patrick Ho indicted and um, this other guy, Chairman Ye or Chairman Yi, Yi Jin Ming, fled America went before he got indicted here. And there's an allegation that Hunter warned this guy. Um, and got him out thanks to his his mole, quote unquote, in the FBI. I don't think that's exactly what happened. I think that Chairman Yi got spooked and went back to China. But remember, at the same time, Patrick Ho comes from China to the U.S. And then gets arrested. Hunter, Hunter didn't warn Patrick Ho. Why would Hunter warn Chairman Yi but not Patrick Ho? I think the answer is that he didn't warn anybody. Um, I think he got spooked for a different reason. Um, or maybe just by happen chance went out of the country. Anyway, back to Rob Walker. I, I, I think that there's a possibility here that these inv- this investigation into Hunter Biden is actually more about Rob Walker and other swamp monsters than it is about Biden. And that Hunter Hunter might get charged with some minor things, but others get hit harder. And I think the media, I'll just go ahead and give a little bit of a prediction here. I think the media are going to be set up here. I think the media are going to be set up to defend Hunter. I think what's going to, what we're looking at in the near future, and I'll get back to the press conference in a minute. Um, I think with the, with the, with the media on the left are being, set up here is they're going to there's going to be an indictment of hunter it's going to be pretty minor there's going to be others who are indicted for greater more severely and the media is going to be tricked into defending hunter and his role in all this it may even become public knowledge that hunter was an asset witting or unwitting um for law enforcement and the intel agencies and the media is going to defend hunter defend him they're going to downplay all of this right before something bigger drops i really think the way this is going to flow is that minor allegations come out minor indictment media rallies around the bidens to defend them on some of this stuff and then they get tricked and the boomerang comes back and it, it all comes back on them soon afterward when there's a bigger indictment. And now they've spent this time defending the circumstances and the role that the Bidens played um, only to have something worse come out. And now they look and now they're worse for wear because they spent all this time defending them. Um, that's just, that's just what I think is going to, is going to be the play here um, at first anyway. Okay. 
I agree with that counter moon. It, it whichever if they defend if they defend Hunter, they're screwed. And if they go against him, they're screwed. There's there's no win for them. I think they're I think they're going to um I think they're going to be tricked into rallying around the Bidens again before something worse comes out. So we might, in other words, I think we're getting an appetizer. Flowed from the Chinese Communist Party aligned with. Oh, and I saw someone earlier before I started running my mouth. I saw someone earlier say that Nancy Mates reminds them of a cop. I think it was Joe. Good morning, Joe. I agree. I 100% agree with that. And <laughs> I, I totally see that. And it makes me think she's undercover. Uh, with individuals <laughs> into American shell companies. And then that money was wired and transferred to Biden family members. This could be the most corrupt scheme in American politics where a sitting vice president, where we saw members of his family, nine members so far, there may be more, that were enriched from countries all over the world. And we're providing more information about Romania today. We know about China. We know that the president denied this during an election in 2020, continues to deny it to this day. And we want uh, everyone held accountable if they have, they have violated their oath of office. Um, we shouldn't have folks that are in office that are betraying their oath of office. We shouldn't have people in office that are betraying their country. If they're paying loads of cash to their family members from adversaries of ours around the world, it's wrong, whether you have a, a Republican or a Democrat by your name. And uh, we saw evidence of intentionally taking steps to hide the sources of money coming directly from China through a series of financial gymnastics. Joe Biden's political career uh, was winding down at the time, and this was one of the Biden family's last chances to cash in on the name. We have evidence of Chairman Yi Jingming, who is believed to be affiliated with Chinese Communist Party intelligence organizations and has even been accused of uh, gathering intel for Communist China. Yi started CEFC in China. His agent in America, Gong Wendong, which, uh, which uh, Andy Biggs mentioned earlier, formed CEFC Infrastructure Investment U.S. on May 11, 2017. On May 18, 2017, Dong used one of his Chinese companies, Shang Huaxin, to fund CEFC infrastructure in an attempt to hide the source of the money. And you see this pattern repeated over and over and over again. On June 30th, 2017, Shanghai Huaxin sent 10 million from China to CEFC infrastructure. Then on August 4th, 2017, CEFC infrastructure wired 100,000 directly to Hunter Biden's own corporation, Owasco PC. Hunter's Owasco also received a half a million from another entity affiliated with Yi, State Energy HK Limited. State Energy HK appears to be part of Yi's personal slush fund that potentially commit bribery and launder money. The Chinese Communist Party affiliated entities may have bought influence with the Bidens that they couldn't get otherwise, and obviously for good reason. These alleged layering schemes are repetitive. They knew what they were doing, they knew how to do it, and they did it multiple times all over the world. If it looks complicated and sounds complicated, it was intentionally made to be complicated so you could not follow the money. And what we're trying to do today is show you how to follow the money. <coughs> the Committee uh, of Oversight, we need to pursue the Chinese relationship with the Serbian politician Vuk Jaramik, who first attempted to introduce Yi to the Bidens in 2015. From August 2015... I remember this guy, this Vuk or Yuk Jaramic. I remember him from something, and I don't know if it's just Hunter Biden laptop emails, but I feel like this name came up recently. 
like within the past few months on a show that I did or a show I was on with John or CanCon or some, I feel like this name came up for some reason within the past three months. And it was either on my show, but I really think it was on Badlands. And I can't remember the circumstances of it exactly. If anybody remembers, they can tell me, but I feel like he came up recently. Also, uh, it was Jason of TGA who said that Nancy Mace carries herself like a cop. And I agree. 15 to June of 2016, State Energy HK paid Jeremick's company $3 million. When Jeremick ran for UN Security General, who did he turn to? It appears he turned to Hunter Biden. On June 16, 2016, Jeremick wrote to Hunter asking if he could meet with the Vice President's National Security Advisor, Colin Call, related to the elections for UN Security General. The meeting appears to have happened because on July 2, 2016, Jeremick informed Hunter that my meeting, quote, with Colin did not last very long, but it, it didn't go too bad, I think. What is suboptimal is that the office of the vice president seems to be outside the decision-making loop on the UN Security General elections issue. These people didn't come to Hunter Biden because he understood world politics or that he was experienced in it or that he understood Chinese businesses. They wanted him for the access his last name gave them. Access to the Chinese Communist Party they couldn't otherwise get. In March of 2017, the same Chinese company that sent $3 million to Vuk Jeremik sent $3 million to one of Biden's associates, who siphoned off 30%, as Annie Biggs mentioned, we see that repeated over and over again, siphoned off 30% or a million dollars to Hunter Biden, James Biden, Hallie Biden, why, they, why she would need that, and an unknown Biden bank account. The committee has written to Vuk Jeremik and Rob Walker. An unknown Biden bank account. I'm not quite sure what she's referring, like, I'm not sure how that makes sense. I don't know why it's unknown. I would put a pin in that from this, that, that little line right there and into an unknown Biden bank account. I would put a pin in that, see if it comes up later. But they have both refused to cooperate with the oversight committee. The Biden family needs to answer for this and the DOG, DOJ needs to get off its ass and investigate. We've done the- See, like- DOJ is already investigating and they just Comer just yesterday told DOJ to hold on. But then here's Nancy May saying, get off your ass. It's just a show. Work for them so they can't screw it up now. If these allegations, any of these allegations are proven true, then someone with the last name Biden needs to be charged, prosecuted, and maybe spend a little time in prison to take to account and responsible for the actions they've taken today. Also, as mentioned by the chairman, I want to thank you. The legislative priorities we have of our committee, this is not a witch hunt. This is not a conspiracy theory. If there are anti-corruption laws that need to be made stronger, we will also do that. And I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. It's interesting that she chose to say this is not a witch hunt. You know, when Trump is always saying all this other stuff is a witch hunt. It's interesting that she said it's not a witch hunt. If you consider her a player in all this, then it's... Uh, this is kind of interesting to think about. Well, thank you, Chairman Comer, and thanks for everybody for all the hard work. One of the common responses we hear about this investigation is that it all happened after Joe Biden left office. But that is not true. 
I'm going to detail a specific, specific set of payments made to members of the Biden family from Gabriel Popovich during Joe Biden's time as vice president. The committee has obtained the bank records for one of the companies of a close Biden associate, Rob Walker. Walker used his company, Robinson Walker LLC, to receive money from foreign companies. He then sent the money to various Bidens, including Hunter Biden, James Biden, Hallie Biden, and another Biden account. Walker's LLC received 17 payments from Bladen Enterprises Limited. The first payment was made in November of 2015, and the last payment, payment happened in May of 2017. 16 of the 17 payments occurred while Joe Biden was vice president. Bladen Enterprises is an aff affiliated with Roma Romanian businessman Gabriel Popovich. Popovich is a Romanian businessman who, at the time of these payments, was subject of a high-profile co corruption investigation. In fact, he was convicted of one such obstruction charge in 2016. Popovich's company paid Walker LLC just over $3 million. And like clockwork, Walker dispersed approximately $1 million of that money to the Bidens. If that sounds familiar, it should. It's essentially the same structure Walker and the Biden family had with the Chinese money, a one-third cut. So what were the vice president's duties related to Romania at this time? Well, in May of 2014, Vice President Biden visited Romania and delivered a speech about corruption, saying it can represent a clear and present danger, not only to a nation's economy, but to its very national security. And in September of 2015, Vice President Biden welcomed the Romanian president to the White House, and they spoke about anti-corruption policies. Five weeks later, the White House after the White House meeting, Rog Walker's company's bank accounts began receiving payments from Popovich's company. Walker then sent a portion of each installment payment to Hunter Biden's business, Owasco, and another company, EEIG, which was owned by close Hunter Biden associate James Gilliard. Another Biden bank account that Hunter claims is his, and, one, and in one case, $10,000 to Haley Biden. Let's be clear. The $3 million sent to Rob Walker and dispersed to the Biden family appears completely separate and distinct from legal work performed by the law firm associated with Hunter Biden. This is simply not how legal fees are paid. I spent 10 years collecting legal fees. Nobody would pay or receive payments this way. It makes absolutely no sense. And again, the structure is the same as the Chinese payments. If it's for legal fees, why are the deals the same? In fact, it's very hard to come up with any legitimate business reason to conduct transactions with this type, in this type of complex way. Why would separate payments go to Hunter Biden's business and to himself individually? Why would Walker transfer money from his business account to his personal account before distributing the money? Why are other Biden family receiving any of these payments? We need to understand more about this $3 million deal. But it's clear that the pattern shows two separate foreign countries paid millions of dollars through Walker, of which the Biden family received a one-third cut. These payments, their timing, the complexity of the money transfer or transactions all warrant further investigation into a possible influencing peddling scheme. This is simply not how legitimate business is conducted. And the fact that Vice President Joe Biden was lecturing the Romanian people about corruption while his family was being paid over a million dollars from a Romanian businessman who was being prosecuted for co co corruption would be laughable if it wasn't so troubling. Long time ago, I had a client got stopped. Okay, so um, they got specific. They got specific dates and amounts, and that speaks to the bank records that they have. This is great. It's great that they have these records like this. It's so interesting that VP Biden is getting this is getting approached for this stuff when he's the vice president. 
how is it that Vice President Biden was able to influence policy of the United States and other things in order to receive these payments? How did he ex like that's a question that needs to be asked and fleshed out is it's one thing if Biden is getting like he's getting money from Romania, China or whatever while he's VP, his family's getting this money. They're trading on his name because he's VP. So he has influence in the administration. OK, how did he exercise that influence? Did he call lobbyists in? who and get them onto the same page and get them to lobby representatives and senators did he did he speak off the record to obama or secretary of state hillary and say this is what the romanians want or this is what my clients whoever want um did he like, like how did he use that's one that's a that's a really really important question to flesh out like you got this one side over here now that's getting that's getting fleshed out and exposed of where the money came from and what LLCs it went to, when it went to, all the dates, right? But the other side of it is how did he use his influence? Uh, Joe Lang, yeah, you mentioned Ukraine corruption. So you have over there on that side in Ukraine, we we have an idea of what happened there. Biden called a pro called and said, fire the prosecutor or you don't get the money. So he represented the United States basically to Ukraine saying, United States is telling you fire this guy or you're not getting the money. The VP, VP Biden has the, had the power to make that phone call and say those things. Or maybe he was just bold enough to do so. But how did he do it for... See, what I'm, what I'm really getting at here with uh, this Romanian, what I, what's really on my mind is did Biden go to someone in DOJ and try and get them to influence the investigation of this guy? Because if so, it didn't work because the guy got convicted. So I'm, I'm wondering, did Biden try to use influence with someone in DOJ? They didn't go along with what he said but maybe they created a report or maybe they maybe they're one of the whistleblowers that has come forward and said, hey, Biden came to me in the year 20, whatever, and asked me to influence an investigation. You know, we just had the Pross Michelle trial. Where Pross Michelle was offered something like seventy five million dollars if he could get DOJ, the, if he got the Obama DOJ to drop their investigation of one MDB among other things, and they he failed to get that done. But that was that was that was the foreign influence there was trying to get an investigation dropped. And it's kind of a mirror, it's almost a mirror to what is going on here. We just don't see the rest of it. Um there is so we got about 20 minutes left of this press conference. Do you guys want to stick with this? We're an hour into my show and we have an hour left. Do you want to stick with this press conference and watch the end of it? And I'll give commentary on it and we'll just keep doing what we're doing. Or do you guys want me to bounce off of it and go through some of the other news from the past several days? I'm going to go ahead and let it keep playing 
for a moment while everybody types. Just type in Rumble Chat or Pilled Chat um, whether you want me to bounce or to stick with the presser. You can either say bounce or presser. $50,000 in cash, 11 burner phones, and a bunch of shop, pawn shop money tickets in his car. And when he came in to see me and I, had, and I took him as a client, I said, you have a problem. That is easy to understand. Financial transactions amongst seven, 17 different shell companies, banks all over the world are complex. We get it. But the pattern is emerging, and there is no reason that legitimate business is ever conducted in this matter. And with that. Thank you, Representative Thompson. Next, we have Donald. Okay. Most people are saying bounce. So I'm going to bounce. We won't bounce that far just yet because uh, I want to grab Turley's commentary real quick. He says the oversight, the House oversight presser just began with James, uh, with James Comer. Comer began with new disclosure of a million dollar that went million dollars that went to the Biden family from Romania while Joe Biden was working on Romanian issues. Comer noted that this money ended when Biden left the vice presidency. Comer also claims that they have uncovered millions sent from Chinese interest through companies to the Biden family. He details the use of an array of different companies and different banks to transfer the money from China in allegedly in an allegedly an effort to conceal the transfers. Comer is also addressing the 1023 form. Says the whistleblower's allegations are consistent with the committee's own investigations and the information from the bank. Excellent. Excellent. Comer is listing new legislative efforts being considered that could be key to any fights in court. Andy Biggs is adding details on the movement of money to buy in crime family. He said that Rob Walker paid the Bidens more than $2 million from his account. Now, he claims that those payments um, show a one-third pattern that goes to the Bidens. The one-third pattern. It showed up there, and it showed up um, with China, and it showed up with Romania. We'll see where else it shows up. I... Over on, if you're on Twitter, um, Oversight Committee came out with this thread and a few graphics that I was bouncing over to a little bit. They have a thread on the press conference if you want to share it. I shared it on my socials if you want to share it from there. All right. So I collected a bunch of um, different clips that were going around yesterday, you've probably seen it, but I, and I mentioned that at the, towards the earlier in the show that it's like, there's this Hunter Biden, pardon me. It's like, there's this Hunter Biden yarn ball that people are pulling on. And we got these different yarns we got or different threads. There's the bank records. And then there's um, Mike Morrell and the 51 intelligence agencies or agents who signed that letter. Um, and then there's this guy, Bud Cummings, from Arkansas. And I just wanted to talk to you guys about two of the people that have apparently come forward. So I'm a little, I, I feel like they're a little bit sketch. A little bit. So one of them is this guy, David Kareens or Carrions, or I don't know. Carrions or Carrions, I don't know. Um, he, this guy is a 31-year CIA officer. Served in Eastern Europe and was an editor of BBC FBIS facility outside London. He headed the CIA university program to teach new an analyst writing and briefing skills. He also served on the agency's inspector general staff. 
He teaches intelligence analysis and writing for the FBI, for the Treasury Department's FinCEN, which is investigating the Bidens, I believe, <laughs> and has taught uh, taught members of the U.S. intelligence community, including DHS, National Counterterrorism Center. He is also a director of the Writers Guild of Virginia. So this is one of the guys that has come forward and is mixed up in some of these allegations about the Bidens. Okay. So I have a little bit of concern because CIA. Why is the CIA going to Congress or why are members of CIA going to Congress and telling them things that we like? Just like we got Mike Morell, who is going to the CIA or going to Congress and he's ex CIA director and he's telling them, um, things they like, things that, about the letter and the 51 intelligence agents that signed it and how Tony Blinken was recruiting people to go and sign it. I'm like, Hmm, Hmm. When, when someone from the CIA is telling me things that I like, I'm extra, extra suspicious. It's the Writers Guild of Virginia. Yeah, Writers Guild of Virginia. Um, is this the one that has it? I'm getting these mixed up. Which one has uh, this, this guy, Carrie? Kareen or Carrion or whatever. One of these news stories had it. Which one was it? Is it this one? Yeah, I think it was. I think it's this Fox News story has him mentioned in it about two thirds down. There's Bud Cummins. There's McCormick, the stenographer. All right, so the other guy, I'll just move on. Um, I'll just move from that one. So the other guy that's coming up is former federal prosecutor Bud Cummins, who says he notified then-U.S. District Attorney in the SDNY, Jeff Berman, in an email in October 2018. And in 2018, he emailed them saying, VP Biden and Secretary of State Kerry exercised influence to protect Burisma holdings in exchange for payments. All I have been told is that the person who made the transfers was told that one goes to Joe Biden. So Cummins has come forth and said this. Now you need to know who this guy is, by the way, this, um, David Karen's guy has written a number of books on Amazon, um, handbook for intelligence and crime analysis and effective intelligence briefings, critical thinking through writing, a number of other things. And then as well as publishing this, uh, writer's guild of Virginia volume. Um, anyway, he has some books out there if you want to look, look at them. All right. So this guy, Bud Cummins, Arma might be interested in him if she hasn't already looked into him. I wouldn't be surprised if she already did. She's probably way ahead of me. Uh, Bud Cummins was a U.S. attorney in the D Eastern District of Arkansas in the early 2000s. And somehow he managed to not find any crimes related to the Clintons. 
when he was there in Arkansas. That's disappointing. He was fired by the Bush administration later on. In uh, 2005, 2006, he was fired by the Bush administration, allegedly so that a Karl Rove ally could get appointed as the new U.S. attorney in Arkansas. Um, it's the, I mean, the Uniparty, right? The Uniparty protecting its own. The Bushes protecting the Clintons. The Clintons protecting the Bushes. It's all one big happy Uniparty. <laughs> Karma says, do I need to go stalk him out? So... This guy, Bud Cummins, he says that he that's why he was gotten rid of so that Carl Rove could get someone in there. Uh, Bud Cummins was also the chair of um, uh, Trump's Arkansas campaign, and he was a he was a whip at the convention in 2016 for Trump. So this guy campaigned for Trump. He was also on Trump's transition team in 2016. So um, I'm not telling you this guy is bad, but I do have some concern that where he's coming from. Okay. Just a little bit, just a little bit, but there's a little bit, there's a little bit more about him that gives me some more concern and it kind of pushes me either way. Like where I'm like, I have a question mark on this guy. And grab, is it, was it this article? I'm trying to remember where Fisher Ames dug this up because Fisher Ames did a good job. Um, this is back from 2021. Let me grab, where's the source article on this? There we go. 24th, 24th of October, 2019, as far back as 2018, October, a former U.S. attorney acting on behalf of Ukrainian interest tried to get federal law enforcement to bite on bogus political dirt about the Bidens and on whether Paul Manafort's notorious black ledger was a forgery. It was. It was fake. This is from Talking Points Memo back in November of 2019. And it says, as far back as 20, I just read that, but Bud Cummins, a former U.S. attorney in Arkansas, emailed the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, that'd be Berman, to request a meeting on the same topics into which President Trump would later demand Ukraine conduct investigations. TPM has been investigating Cummins' role in attempting to serve as an intermediary between certain Ukrainian interests and federal law enforcement. Cummins' involvement has not been previously reported. However, Rudy Giuliani sent a letter on Saturday to Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Lindsey Graham claiming that a, form a former U.S. attorney was ready to provide emails and memoranda about a, a, an attempt to get the FBI to investigate Biden and the list of Manafort bribes called the Black Ledger. The latter was proved um, to be fake. Cummins confirmed to Talking Points Memo that the Giuliani letter was referring to him. The meeting proposed by Cummins would have been between Ukraine's then-prosecutor general, Yuri Lutsenko, and Manhattan U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Berman. Lutsenko waged a campaign to push out Mary Ivanovich and then-U.S. Ambassador in Kiev, in part by spreading the same allegations that he had sent to Cummins. Lutsenko has emerged as the figure who also channeled dirt to Giuliani as it made its way into the U.S. media ecosystem. The email proposing the meeting, which Cummins said he sent on October 4th, 2018, laid out allegations about Hunter Biden and his work for Burisma and that the Black Ledger was falsified, Cummins told TPM in a phone interview. 
Cummins said that he received the information about Hunter Biden and Manafort from two intermediaries of Lutsenko in September 2018. The information I gave to them was a request to meet with Lutsenko, Cummins said, adding that he had a brief phone call with Berman and sent three follow-up emails after the information was sent. Speaking over the phone Sunday morning, Cummins expressed to TPM a mixture of dismay that Berman broke off contact and mild embarrassment in having dealt with Ukrainians whose motivations he admitted he did not understand. Cummins added that when he sent the email to Berman, he was, quote, wasn't advocating for the legitimacy of any of this, end quote. At the time, I didn't know a whole lot about Ukraine. I didn't make any real attempt to vet this. I didn't care. That wasn't my job. In a discussion um, may have been about what may have been motivating Lutsenko. Lutsenko and a spokesperson for him didn't immediately return requests for comment. Berman's office also declined to comment. Cummins called the lack of response from the Manhattan federal prosecutor a, bra- a breathtaking double standard. Now, something I was talking to John about last night. Um, John Harold, you may have heard of him. He's this devolution guy. Uh, is the timing of this. This was October 2018 that Cummins went to the SDNY. It was also in the fall of 2018 that U.S. Attorney Weiss began his investigation. And so Cummins is over here and he takes this to SDNY and he's like, you need to look into this. And then he feels like nobody looks into it. And so it's a double standard and nothing happened. They didn't care. They're protecting the Bidens. But at the same time, another investigation had already started up into this exact situation. Into Hunter's dealings in Ukraine. And it was U.S. Attorney Weiss in Delaware. So I wonder if this guy's information just got given to U.S. Attorney Weiss and Cummins has no idea about that. He just feels like nothing happened. Now, Giuliani's role is interesting in this, too, because Giuliani helped catch some previous Ukrainians, uh, Furman and Pernash or whatever, and uh, Furtash, whatever it was, those two Ukrainians. And, I mean, we know that Rudy Giuliani acts as an asset. So Giuliani sending this letter, he was sending a piece of evidence to Lindsey Graham is what he's doing. He's making sure there's a record of this, this evidence. Some witnesses even went so far as to hire a lawyer and as far back as October 2018 present to the United States Attorney's Office with their information about Ukraine, falsified information to affect the 2016 election. This lawyer was suspiciously never contacted again. Dun, dun, dun. Now, there's more. All right, so Cummins ended up representing Lutsenko, but later on he would become a lobbyist for another Ukrainian. Let me find it. In 2016, Cummins served as chair of of Trump's campaign in Arkansas and then as a Trump whip at the 2016 National Convention. 
Cummins said that he believed that mistrust of the FBI was what led the Ukrainians to seek a back channel to the Justice Department. He said that his Ukrainian interlocutors, who he declined to name, apparently went to him because they believed the FBI in Ukraine had either wittingly or unwittingly become the pawns of the ambassador and secretary of state and vice president, and they cannot be trusted. The FBI people who were involved with Ukraine could not be trusted, he said. Public records show he previously registered as a lobbyist for former prime minister of Ukraine, Yulia Timoshenko. Now, Yulia Timoshenko is this lady. Vice Prime Minister of Ukraine for Fuel and Energy from 1999 to 2001 and Prime Minister of Ukraine from February to September of 2005 and from December 7th to March 2010. She was the first and so far the only woman to serve as Prime Minister of Ukraine. She co-led the Orange Revolution and was the first woman twice appointed and endorsed by a parliamentary majority. Timoshenko finished second in the 2010 Ukrainian presidential election, losing by 3.5 points to Viktor Yanukovych. After the Revolution of Dignity, she was rehabilitated by the Supreme Court of Ukraine. Um, she was released after three years in jail for her role in the Revolution of Dignity. She again finished second in the 2014 Ukrainian presidential election, this time to Petro Poroshenko. After being a heavy favorite in the poll for years, she came in came in third in the first round of the 2019 election. Timoshenko was born, and I don't need to read all that to you. I want to see, was there another connection with her? I'm looking at Deputy Prime Minister. I'm scanning some of this real quick just to see if there's anything else I want to pull out. Timoshenko's second term. I feel like she's come up before with something else. I don't remember what it was, but it could just be because we get all these Ukrainian names mentioned so so often when it comes to swamp. Okay, so it concerns me that this guy, this Cummins guy, was a lobbyist for her. Might be nothing to it. Might be, might be nothing to it. Sorry I'm yawning. I don't know why I'm so sleepy. But anyway. I, this Bud Cummins guy, I'm a little sus of him. I'm also sus of these other CIA people are, that are coming forward. And just to... Just to 
end the Biden discussion for now because I have more topics to get to. I would just suggest to everybody to be not too committed in one direction or another because I think we're getting remember remember that we're the news is fake and the leaks are real and I just think we're in for some surprises here um I would expect to be surprised by some of the things that are going on all right next thing George Santos has been arrested. He was turned into the, he turned himself into the FBI is the reporting. Um, he has been charged reportedly with fraud, money laundering, theft of public funds and false statements. Um, it was announced that yes, late yesterday that he was, uh, going to be charged. Um, this guy, Derek Myers says he played a role in it. He says, I can publicly confirm that during my brief time in the congressman's office, I had met secretly with agents from FBI in an effort to work as a confidential informant and human asset against the congressman. During my course of employment in his office, I cannot go into further detail at this time. This guy is a journalist, he says, um, and he was employed by Santos for some period of time. Who knows if he's telling the truth, but this is what he says. Um Santos is connected to Vishbura. Vishbura is Santos director of operations and helped get the man elected and has been chauffeuring him, chauffeuring him around DC. Vishbura used to work on the war room podcast with Bannon. Um, I liked Vishbura when I saw him on the war room. But his involvement with uh, Santos had has made me super sus of him. Um, I knew Santos was about to be arrested a couple days ago when I saw a video Santos made of him defending Miles Guo. And I was like, oh, this guy is so going to be arrested, isn't he? And sure enough, the news came out last night. I'm... I don't know what to say, guys. Uh, Santos is like this professional liar guy. I I don't I don't know what to say about him. Like he just makes me cringe, and I hate it that. Like, I don't know. I just he seems like a walking SNL skit, but like a really bad one, a really bad SNL skit. Where a guy, like, it's like a made for, I think I've made this comment before, someone else made it, and I read it on a show, where it's like, he looks like there's some Hollywood B movie going on, or like made for TV movie, where he, a, a guy wakes up, and he's suddenly a, a congressman, and he has to act like he knows what he's doing. Um, It's, it's like that. It's like, it's like you're watching a, an episode of some weird show where a 10 year old wakes up and he's suddenly a congressman and he just lies about everything. Anyway, he's been arrested. All right. USA versus McGonagall. This is the news I'm actually most excited about today. Um, status conference is happening today in the SDNY case. 
So Charles McGonagall has two cases against him, one out of DC and one out of the SDNY. The SDNY is the one I'm most interested in because it connects to Oleg Deripaska. The one in DC has to do with Albanians and money that um, McGonagall was getting from them. Like literally he was going out to rented cars that had cash in the trunk of the car. Um, Mobster type stuff. Status conference in the SDNY case is scheduled for this afternoon. I'm super interested in it because since April 12th, there have been two documents on the docket in this case that are sealed. And I don't know what they are. And I am desperate to find out. And the longer they are sealed, the more I want to know what are they? What are these documents? Now, they could not be anything exciting. Um, and by the way, you can't buy them on Pacer. It won't, when you go in, it won't let you. It says they're restricted. Well, actually, just for the fun of it, I'll go ahead and try it today. Here, just a moment, I gotta hide my password. Um, my hope is that because there's a status conference today, these things will be unsealed. Yeah, if you try and get them, it says this document is restricted or cannot be found. What about this one? Restricted or cannot be found. So anyway, we got a um, status conference today. I am really hoping that as part of that as part of that status conference, these things are unsealed. It could be something mundane and not at all interesting, or it could be superseding indictments. It could be a superseding indictment for Charles McGonagall and some other document that goes with it. Like it, like it could be absolutely huge. I don't know. Um, we do have some other documents here. I'm going to go ahead and grab them because I remember one of them had something interesting. Um, The main goal of this conference today is to set a, a propose a to propose a month for the trial to take place. The United States wrote a letter on March 8th that said, as of March 6th, we've been talking to the defendants about classified information that's going to be used in this case. And um, we have declassified some documents and turned those over. The government writes to confirm that materials have been declassified and produced to the defendants as part of discovery. At this time, we don't anticipate making any filings pursuant to Section 4 of SIPA and believe we've met our discovery obligations at this time. But right after, McGonagall and Sergei Chestakov's attorneys write back and say, yeah, actually, uh, we have some concerns here because we, the attorneys, are trying to get clearance and we're having trouble getting clearances. First, as the court is where I am seeking a security clearance so that I can receive classified information to inform my review of discovery, motion practice, and core defense strategy. At a minimum, I need the clearance so that Mr. Ducharme, counsel for co-defendant Mr. McGonagall, can share classified information with me in a privileged context. Listen to this. I completed and submitted the 136-page application for a security clearance. However, I am advised by the DOJ that one, the background investigation will take months to complete, average of 120 days. 
Mr. Ducharme cannot share any classified information with me until the background investigation is complete. And so I am requesting interim or temporary clearance. And that I've been told that that's not possible. I also requested an expedited investigation. Um, and so he's asking for an extension saying, look, I can't even look at all the discovery in this case because I haven't gotten my clearances yet. The other issue he raises is that the discovery in this case is massive. The DOJ has produced over 16,720 individual files, some of which range from tens to hundreds of pages long. Despite the government's contention at the March 8th, 2023 status conference that discovery was nearly complete, the government continues to make significant productions. To date, the government has made seven discovery productions, with six productions made on March 7th, March 8th, April 7th, April 21st, 27th, and May 8th. The files produced include large amounts of ESI, financial documents, surveillance reports, custom and border patrol um, reports, FBI 302s, pen register data, and various subpoena returns. The last six productions were approximately... 32.886 gigabytes of information, bringing the total production to roughly 72 gigabytes. We are not close to completing our review of the discovery. In addition to sheer volume, several hundreds of pages of discovery are in foreign languages, including Russian, Hebrew, French, and German, and thus require translation. Upon raising the translation issue to the government, I was told that, quote, the government has provided the translations in its possession and would provide any additional translations the government obtained, quote, in a timely manner. Absent additional translations from the government, we will have to take steps to obtain translations, and that is costly to Mr. Shestikov. Shestikov does not have unlimited resources. Further on Wednesday, the government informed me that it would produce to me discovery related to Mr. McGonagall's separate indictment in D.C. I delivered an external hard drive to the government for them to produce the discovery and await its production. Third, I expect litigation under SIPA, the classified production stuff regarding classified material, but I am not yet in a position to commit to a SIPA litigation schedule until I can confer with Mr. Ducharme openly on classified material. Further, I have serious questions regarding the government's representation on May 8th that it has met its discovery obligation with respect to classified information. So, for those reasons, I am requesting that the court schedule another status conference and not set a trial date at this time. And you can understand it. You can understand what he's getting at. The, the production in this is massive in this case. And it also makes me think maybe there's a superseding indictment under here. Maybe the government has found even more and they're going to drop a new indictment. But we'll find out. Today, we'll find out. The status conference today will happen. It'll probably be a short affair. But... What would be really exciting is if they unseal these things. And if they do, I'm going to be all over it. I'll be so excited. Or I'll be bummed out because it'll be a nothing burger. <laughs> One or the other. All right. Uh, with Trump, there was some silliness yesterday with Trump. Because E. Jean Carroll, this crazy lady who Trump has never met, She has a civil case against Trump for rape and assault and libel and all this stuff. And the jury of TDS riddled jurors 
um, decided to find President Trump not guilty of rape, but liable for the things he said about Miss Carroll. Um, he's liable for sexual assault and liable for his public remarks about her, for disparaging her. So I guess by saying she's not my type. So he has to pay her $5 million is what has been ruled. I personally think this is a distraction. A lot of people tell me that stories I cover on the show, like no matter what, I get a, I'll get comments about how that's a distraction or this story over here is a distraction from whatever other news story that person really cares about. And to me, they're usually wrong <laughs> that it's not a distraction, but I think this is, I think this is one of those things that is a distraction um, a bit, not that it can't be interesting. It is interesting a, a bit. The guy who is, who funded her, who made it possible for this crazy lady to sue Trump is the founder of LinkedIn. And he is rabid anti-Trump. Um, he said that he would spend every penny he had to destroy Trump. And that's what he's, that's what he's doing. Um, Trump is going to appeal it. It'll probably be thrown out. I don't really expect this to do much damage to Trump, but the way in which it may matter, the way in which it's not a distraction, it's actually something that matters, is this headline right here. This headline. I expect that we are going to see this right here be used a lot in 2024. It's going to say Trump sexually abused and defamed E. Jean Carroll jury finds. It's going to over and over again. We're going to be told in campaign commercials against Trump and in comments about Trump and in news stories about Trump from now on. They're going to say Donald J. Trump. Who a whom a jury recently found sexually abused E. Jean Carroll. That's what they're going to say. They're just going to they're just going to use this headline, these words in this headline to disparage and try and damage Trump. And I think there's a where I know that there's a thinking amongst some people on the right and in Con Inc that even though this isn't true, it's going to damage Trump in 2024 because now they have this headline. Jury finds Trump sexually abused E. Jean Carroll. Or defamed her. I don't think it actually does hurt Trump. Because I don't think anybody who is affected. By this headline. Would have ever voted Trump. Like I don't think that this right here. What E. Jean Carroll has done. I don't think it adds or takes away any voters. From Trump. I think it's completely inconsequential to who is going to vote for Trump or not vote for Trump in 2024. But that's what Con Inc. is going to say, is that Trump is damaged by this, this jury verdict and shouldn't be the nominee. So that's the, that's the potential value of it. I think Con Inc. is actually more excited about that, about what E. Jean Carroll did than the left is. And if you watch 
some con ink yesterday. And if you watch some of the media reporting, the media, to me, it seems like the left MSM is less excited about E. Jean Carroll than conservative incorporated media are. Okay. Where do I want to go next? I think I'll skip that. I think I'll skip that. This is the worst news that MSM has seen since Trump left office. Tucker is going to be doing his show on Twitter, which is awesome. And exactly the opposite of what MSM and Con Inc. would want. All the major media would much prefer that Tucker sign a deal with some outfit, that he get constricted with an arrangement with the Blaze or Rumble or um, Own or Newsmax or something. They want him, or or if he just went away, that'd be the best. But him doing his own show, completely in charge of himself, and he's going to do it on Twitter, that is the worst outcome for the mainstream media. It is awesome. And for me, it's uniquely awesome as another creator who's on Twitter, and I put my videos on Twitter. I'm really excited about it because as the reckoning says, there is no filter on Twitter. You can broadcast any views you want. And on this basis, Musk has no competition. Advertisers will make their choices, but Musk seemingly will hold the standard for free speech regardless. And there will be limits, but nothing like the restrictions that are on YouTube and Facebook. And I hold back a bit on Twitter with what I post because I'm still not sure how safe Twitter is. And I don't have to hold back that much. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm like, I'm not posting Q drops. Um, it's basically where I, I hold back. Cause I'm just not sure how many people are employed at Twitter who are still running around looking for any reason whatsoever to ban people. I just don't know how many there are left. Um, I'm not sure Twitter is much safer than it was before Musk, how much safer I've yet to determine. But the reckoning is right that Musk has no competition. Twitter is already set up and can be easily improved to the point where it becomes the best platform for video, for podcasting, for writing, for everything. And Tucker moving exclusively to Twitter makes Twitter that, I mean, it instantly makes Twitter the leading place overnight. Twitter is now the number one source for news. Now, like, like it already was in a lot of ways, but now with Tucker doing his show exclusively, exclusively on Twitter, boom, boom, Twitter just became the place and Musk. This is what, this also makes this even better. On this platform, Musk wrote this, on this platform, unlike the one-way street of broadcast, people are able to interact, critique, and refute whatever is said. And of course, anything misleading gets community notes. 
He said, I also want to be clear that we have not signed a deal of any kind whatsoever. Tucker is subject to the same rules and rewards of all content creators. Rewards mean subscriptions and advertising revenue share, which is coming soon, which is a function of how many people subscribe and the advertising views associated with the content. I hope that many others, particularly from the left, also choose to be content creators on this platform. I'm really, I, I'm, I'm thrilled about this. I, it's, it's awesome. And I love it that there's no deal with Tucker. He's just another creator that's on Twitter. Um, people have asked me if I was going to turn on subscriptions on Twitter and um, other stuff like that. Like there's the subscription option and then there's, um, oh, hey. And um, there's a subscription option and there's like, um, subscription tweets or whatever. Um, I haven't decided how I want to use Twitter's professional setup. I'm going to keep streaming over here like I'm doing right now, but I haven't turned on subscriptions or any of the other stuff that Twitter offers. Cause I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I want to use Twitter. And I don't want to put my stuff behind a paywall. All of my stuff is free and anybody can support the show through rants or buymeacoffee.com or Substack or merch or whatever. All the links for supporting the show are in the description. Um or in my link tree. Like I like having all my stuff free. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't want to put anything even like I don't want I don't want to put anything behind a paywall. So I may turn on subscriptions at some point if it allows people to subscribe, but I don't want to, I don't know. I, I just like, I like being able to say that everything I do is free. And so I, I just don't want to, I don't want to do subscribe tweets anyway. If there's a way to turn the subscription thing on and people get something for value out of it, but I'm not putting my content behind a paywall, then I'll do it. So, and people are still being let back on Twitter. I see some people saying that they're still banned. Accounts are still being reactivated. Some people just recently got their accounts back last week. So I would just keep, keep trying to get back on, keep emailing them and petitioning or whatever. And hopefully eventually you get back on. Um, I think, I think one problem is that with people getting their accounts back is that, um, when some people were banned, I think that certain employees at Twitter made sure to like put things on your account that would keep you off. Like they really wanted to keep you off forever. So they just like made your account, like they flagged your account as badly as possible. And, and like, I think, I think Twitter is going through and letting people back on who have less flags first and they're getting to the ones that have the most flags last. I don't know that for sure, though. All right. Georgia DA news. Lawyers representing David Schaefer, the embattled chairman of the Georgia Republican Party, are arguing their client should not be charged with any crimes for his actions following the 2020 election. 
because he was following advice provided by attorneys working for former President Donald Trump, according to a letter sent to Fulton County DA Fannie Willis. Well, the letter, which was first reported by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, comes as Willis and her team of prosecutors investigating efforts to overturn the 2020 election results in Georgia are planning to make an announcement on possible charges against Trump or his allies later this summer. She said that between July and September, she will be making announcements as far as charges. Schaefer, whose sources previously told CNN could be among those indicted when Willis makes her announcement, has come under scrutiny for his role in the effort to put forward alternate slates of electors to block the certification of the 2020 presidential vote. In their letter to Willis's office, Schaefer's lawyers say he was, quote, given very direct, detailed legal advice on the procedure he should follow, and he followed those instructions to the letter. Quote, I believe that any fair-minded person with possession of all the facts would conclude that Mr. Schaefer and the other presidential elector nominees acted lawfully and appropriately, the letter adds. The DA hasn't commented. Willis has indicated she is seriously weighing bringing racketeering and conspiracy charges in connection with Trump's actions in the Peach State. At least eight of the Republican fake electors in Georgia have accepted immunity deals in the ongoing criminal investigation. According to a court filing last week and the newly secured cooperators could offer insights into key prong of Willis's sprawling investigation. Willis had previously notified all 16 GOP fake electors in Georgia that they were targets in her investigation. Other Republicans who served as pro-Trump electors, including Schaefer, could still face legal exposure. Willis kicked off her sprawling investigation in June 2021, blah, blah, blah. So really, we have two pieces of news. One, eight fake electors have accepted immunity deals. Remember a couple of weeks ago, there was a report that they were never offered immunity deals. Their lawyer may have done some shenanigans and not presented it to him. That was the accusation. But now we learned that eight of them have taken an immunity deal. I don't know if that means that they were never offered it and now and recently got offered or if they were offered it before and hadn't decided. I don't know. But they've accepted some deals. Let me grab, what was this next one? That's, yeah, okay, that's going to be, I can close that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So, also in Georgia, Georgia election workers are suing Rudy Giuliani for defamation. And they said, there's there's these workers that are suing for defamation. They say they can't find Jenna Ellis and that she's been missing for months and they've been trying to subpoena her and they can't. Which I think is hilarious because I see Jenna Ellis all the time on Twitter bashing Trump and promoting DeSantis. Uh, But apparently she's trying to avoid this subpoena. And uh, that's kind of funny. Anyway, back to this GOP chairman thing. I've talked about the fake elector scandal before, and um, for some reason I get weird pushback on it 
like people think I'm defending Fannie Willis, but I'm not defending her. Um, the fake elector thing is something that I have found a lot of Republicans don't know about, or they know it by a different name. It's like they know it by the alternate slates of electors that uh, John Eastman was proposing on War Room be done, that there be alternate slates of electors. The problem is the process for getting an elector is one that is prescribed in law. You have to follow a specific procedure in order to get the electors. And it has to be based, like it depends on the state, but it has to be based on the votes and they have certain people who are electors and then they divvy them up or they all go to one candidate depending on the state. But it's it's a process that is prescribed in law. And so if you come up with alternate electors and they're created outside of the law, then they're not legal. They're not legal electors. And so... That's why the media is calling them on the MSN, they're calling them fake electors. Media on the right at the time were calling them an alternate slate of electors. If they arrived at them through whatever their country's or their, their country, through whatever their state's legal process was to get the electors, if they arrived at them legally, then that's fine. If they organized an alternate slate of electors and everything about it was done by the book. And that's fine. That's totally fine. But if they weren't, then we have a problem. And that's what's going on here, I think. And uh, furthermore, I think that there's there was an effort to frame Trump. And I'm not saying that everybody who was interested in the alternate, salator, alternate electors um, theory, I'm not saying that everybody involved in that is bad or was trying to trick Trump. But I do think that some people were. I think there were some people people involved in the alternate slate of electors effort who were actually working for the swamp. And they were trying to trick Trump and trick Trump's people into going along with a plan that wasn't legal in order to damage Trump and his team and to prevent him from running again. You know, the, the, the unit party isn't going to just make one effort to stop Trump from getting it, staying in the white house, right? They weren't just going to steal the election and then that'd be the only thing they did. They're going to do a they're going to do multiple things to try and stop Trump from getting back in. Right. They're going to try and impeach him twice. They're going to try, they tried to, uh, um, they did Spygate and Russiagate. They tried to impeach him twice. They stole the election straight up. Um, and then they had January 6th trying to, first they tried to, January 6th, they're trying to trick him into calling in the military to uh, put down MAGA. They tricked MAGA into going into the Capitol and interrupting the session where the objections that MAGA wanted heard were being heard. 
So they got MAGA to self-own, basically, made MAGA victims, and MAGA self-owned them because they interrupted the very thing they wanted to have happen. Um, I think they also did this. I think they came up with a scheme, specifically as regards Georgia, um, that was an illegal scheme. Or at least that's what it seems like. It seems like there was an illegal scheme here to get some fake electors, and they were they were looking at voting machines and other equipment in Georgia. And that's another thing about this Fannie Willis DA is that there's reporting that some people got access to voting machines that they they weren't allowed to have access to. And they're saying that they were trying to prove the election was stolen, but they ended up screwing, they ended up, they may have ended up committing a crime in their effort to prove another crime, if you get what I'm saying. Like, it seems like they messed up. They didn't, they weren't allowed to go where they went and they weren't allowed to access what they accessed. The chairman saying that he, everything he did was according to what Trump's lawyers told him to do. That is at the same time, that's him at the same time protecting himself and damning Trump's attorneys. He's saying, I didn't do any, I didn't do anything wrong. I followed the instructions Trump's attorneys gave. If Trump's attorneys instruct him to do something illegal, then it's on those attorneys. But I'm expecting attorney client privilege to get broken now in this case. And we're going to, the DA is going to want to know exactly what. Trump's attorneys told Schaefer to do. I have, I have this feeling that th somewhere in this mess, there's one or more attorneys who were actually working for the swamp and were trying to get Trump wrapped up in this. I think that's, I want to go back and listen to his phone, Trump's phone call. I want to go back and listen to Trump's phone call now because there's, I wonder if some of this information that would have come out of Georgia now makes that phone call hit differently. Just like with the Trump's Zelensky phone call, it hits differently now with some of the information we've obtained since then. This Jenna Ellis thing is funny. This is, this is funny. Um, also, June 27th is when, in, 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 as regards the case that was brought by Alvin Bragg in Manhattan against Trump, the Michael Cohen, Stormy Daniels case, the, um, the hearing on it being moved out of Manhattan, uh, New York Supreme Court, and being moved to federal court where it should be, um, the hearing for that is set for June 27th. I think they're going to win on this. I th I think that Trump is going to win on getting this um this Alvin Bragg's case put into federal court where it should be. And I'm pretty excited about that. Um In fact, I'd be really surprised if it wasn't moved to federal court and that would take it and that takes it away from Bragg. So, we'll see. Um 
Also, in that case, the judge has gagged Trump and told him he can't post about it, speak about it, truth about it. Um, for now, we'll see how well that goes. He's going to appeal that, I'm sure. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But for now, that's the case. That's how it's supposed to be. Trump is going to be on CNN tonight. Should be good. And last piece of news. There was a massive bust of a fentanyl fentanyl trafficking network. Now, I know that today um, that Title 42 is ending and the border is insane and Biden has deployed troops to the border, which is something Trump also did and something that Biden and the Democrats and the media said Trump was horrible for doing. But now here's Biden doing the exact same thing. Um, The DEA on last Friday announced an operation called last mile, which was against fentanyl and methamphetamine create uh, production and trafficking in the United States by the Sinaloa and Jalisco cartels. This resulted in over 3000 arrests and seizure of almost 44 million fentanyl pills. Operation Last Mile comprised 1,436 investigations conducted from May 1st, um, 2022 to May 1st, 2023. So it was a year-long investigation. Almost 1,500 investigations were part of it. There were 3,337 arrests, 44 million fentanyl pills, 6,500 pounds of fentanyl powder, 91,000 pounds of methamphetamine, 8,500 firearms, and more than $100 million. There are 1,100 cases involved here. Massive effort over the past year. It's awesome to see. I know we get a lot of bad news about what's happening on the border. Here's some really, really good news. And remember that it's not just good news because it's this terrible drug that is killing people. And then it's the cartels who are killing people. They're all getting hit. But it's also helps drain the swamp because it's these cartels um, they're buying off politicians and others for favoritism and um, actions against these cartels are actions against the international swamp, which treasury followed up. Treasury followed up and said they have now sanctioned the Sinaloa cartel. As part of OFAC, Foreign Assets Control, they are designating four Sinaloa cartel members and two Mexico-based entities involved in methamphetamine and fentanyl trade. They announced their names are down here, and there's a reward of up to $5 million for information leading to their arrest and or conviction. Good stuff. Now, I want to check, before I end the show... I want to check and see if anything's been announced for Santos. Is there an actual announcement? Has anybody seen an announcement anywhere that says, um, there it is 13 count indictment. All right. Thirteen count indictment, 20 pages. I don't have time to read it to y'all before I got to end the show. 
Let's see. Okay, this is telling the story. I want to see the actual counts. Count man. Counts one through five are wire fraud from a fraudulent political contribution solicitation scheme. Okay, so we got counts one through five are wire fraud. Counts six through eight are unlawful monetary transactions over $10,000. Count 12 is false statements on the 2020 House Disclosure Reports. Count 13 is false statements on 2022 House Disclosure Report. Okay, that's what the counts are. And then there's some forfeiture accounts for uh, 5 through 11 and 6 through 8. All right. Not surprised. Not surprised at all. And um, I had some rumble rants. Uh, thank you, Zero O'Clock, very much for your generosity. Really appreciate you. And thank you very much. And JC Bird, thank you. Um, God bless you, man. All right, guys, that's my show for today. And uh, thanks for bearing with me while we covered that press conference at the very beginning. And um, I don't know. I see someone asking about um, Deplorable Laura, someone asking about... Uh, covering town hall tonight. I, last I know that we're, we're doing Devo power hour on uh, badlands media tonight. I'll be on with burning bright and John. Um, if that crosses over with the Trump town hall, we might show it. Um, I'm not really sure. I know, I know the last, last I knew that we have a plan to do Devo power hour tonight. So if it's on at the same time, then we'll cover it. Um, sure. I'm sure it'll be a riot. So, I'd be surprised if there's not someone streaming it on, um, on Badlands. So, all right, guys, y'all have a great day. If you enjoy the show, share it, hit the thumbs up over on rumble. Rumble tells me only one person has been watching my show today. Uh, but a lot of people are commenting in the chat. So that's cool. Um, if you guys want to do more to support the show, you can go to bensonhoneyfarm.com and use rep code just human get yourself some honey or you can go to red white and bourbon 45.com and get yourself some merch a pint glass a coffee cup um if you want to do more than that you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash just human i'm out of coffee and you may have noticed i've been yawning quite a bit this morning um almost like i stayed up way too late and got up way too early and uh yeah you can do those things or not and just enjoy the show for free. Everything I do is free. And I like to keep it that way. So y'all have a blessed day. Remember, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. So stay positive. Bless one another. Have a great Wednesday. I'll see you tonight on the Devo Power Hour. I should have had my music queued up. <laughs> that would have been a great ending. I, that was so pro, except for this one little piece. Why did I not have this music ready? That was, so, I, I mean, y'all were probably impressed with how expertly I was ending the show.
There we go. See y'all. <laughs>